Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Laura Boswell. And over there, we have the talented Mr. B on sound. Welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast that's designed to help you take the leap and become a working artist. The sort of artist that actually gets to make art and pay the bills at the same time. Laura and I are that type of artist and we'll be sharing our experience on everything from the best way to approaching a gallery, how to price your work, how to deal with criticism and much more besides. As an artist, there's a key skill that many may not realise is needed in order to make a living and produce good artwork at the same time. And that skill is stamina. It's often said that an art career is a marathon, not a sprint. So it pays to be both patient and to play the long game as an artist. So today, Peter and I are going to be discussing how we approach this idea of stamina, both in terms of our artwork and our career. So, Peter, I think both of us can say art takes a long time to establish as a career. Is that your experience? I think so. It's certainly the the advice that I have been given. I mean, I I still consider myself a a sort of I'm pushing the word young here, but I (laughs) in sort of the (laughs) the early stages, if you like, of my artistic uh, career in my mid thirties compared to some of my uh, peers, um, where it does sort of take a long time to, you know, establish that, that sort of odd word, that sort of vague word, establish oneself uh, as an artist. And, you know, I, I picked up that quote that you said at the start, that an art career is a marathon, not a sprint, kind of very early on. And that really has helped me sort of set the pace for my own artistic career, that if I wish to continue doing this uh, in, in hopefully decades to come, that I should not expect to rush it myself or expect success and results too quickly, that those things will come with time, whether it is actively sought after or whether it organically happens through you know, fate and being in the right place, right time, and kind of all those other sort of uh, points of view. So it, it does take time, something of which you can't control as well. And again, it's you can do as much as you can to assist the process of being a working artist, but you are not in control with how people respond, how people will buy, the opportunities that come your way. But that is fine. I taught myself very long, that is fine. You cannot control everything. You've got to control yourself and things will hopefully happen based upon that. And I mean, how have you felt that? Because you're a, you know, you're a second career artist. So you've, have you come at this point of view of stamina in a slightly different way coming to it later on? Well, I think one of the things that I would say about it is it takes time to build a career, but you need stamina at the beginning of the career to do an awful lot of things which maybe are not the perfect step into art as you would want them. So you need the stamina to go to shows because you think they might do you good. You know, you don't walk straight into a lovely gallery show where everyone's clinking glasses of wine and saying how wonderful your solo show is. <laughs> you turn up at rainy craft shows where there's one man and a dog who doesn't like art anyway. Mm. And there is a lot of that at the beginning of the career. There's a lot of putting out energy to be places and to be involved with things. And it's, At the time, it probably seems like a total waste of time, some of the things that you do when you're starting in your career. Mm. But actually, it does 
all pay off. It's like, I don't know, it's like building a wall and you have to pick up loads and loads of different bricks and slot them into place. And it takes a long time and the bricks may not look promising at first, but as you stay with it and you start building up contacts and maybe your rubbishy craft fair where you didn't sell anything, you meet someone who says, why don't you try this art show? And Mm. that's a better art show and things like that. So Stamina plays a big part in just slogging it out to begin with as you're building mm. up. Your There's that well-known sort of um, sort of statistic, isn't it, that there's such a high percentage of businesses, self-employed or, or companies that, that go bust in the first three years because it's that you go into, you know, your, your job at the start with enthusiasm and gusto and your dreams and you're going to produce the best thing ever and everyone's going to love you. And then very quickly you realise that that does not happen straight away. And it's about that kind of year three period where it starts to get hard and you're perhaps not reaping the, the the results of those dreams you had in that first year. And then many people do kind of give up. So I think that underlines the need for, for perseverance uh, in mm. those early stages of an artist, that it is hard and it is tough. It will come I'm a great believer it will come eventually if you do put in all the the right uh, mechanisms in order to sort of build that bedrock and foundations of success. But you need to persevere, you know, at times when it certainly seems like no one is looking and no one is smiling and no one is enjoying. That is the time in which to persevere that little bit further. And I think also stamina plays a part in staying relentlessly professional in handling yourself mm. and how you present yourself to the world, to clients. it It's certainly things like, for example, when you first sell an art to the public, it's nerve wracking and mm. you want to apologize or you want sort of endorsement or justification. You might find it awkward. And from somewhere you've got to dredge up the stamina to put that calm, professional face on the world where you're not apologizing, you're not justifying, you're confident and you know what you're doing. And mm. however good you are at art, when you first start out in your career, that takes energy to keep doing that. And gradually over the years, as you become more experienced and it all becomes more familiar to you and you get to learn how to read people better, things like that, it becomes easier. But it's tricky to begin with, certainly. I think I was quite lucky at the start of, you know, because I went straight from art school straight into selling and and picking up commissions. And I think a lot of that was I just had the right advice and the right guidance at the right time. And one of the best bits of advice that I was given by the gallery, the very first gallery I started showing work at at the age of 17 or 18, uh, was, you know, I, I asked the gallery owner as a, what are you looking for in an artist as expecting him to say, Oh, paintings with a bit of blue in it, or, you know, paintings about this size with that type of frame. I was expecting that sort of advice. And and he said very wisely, he said, we're just looking for commitment, a commitment to being an artist. And if, if we can see that in you as an artist, we will believe in you and we will nurture you and, and sort of be carried through with you that artistic journey and you know that's a wonderful piece of advice you're not to go chasing these short-term things but you know see this as a a kind of that long-term goal and the advice of just little and often slowly chipping away at it you know not every work of art you do or opportunity is going to be the big thing it might be but more often not it won't be but that is 
fine to come to expect that kind of smaller, slower process. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the way that we plan, if you like. I mean, do you, I'm, I'm a planner, if you like. I like to have an idea in my mind of where I'm going, both in the short term and long term. Do you have any type of plans for the way that you run A, your artwork, and then B, the way you run your art career? In terms of planning, I suppose I have, um, I mean, I keep a diary and like all artists, your diary tends to fill up a year in advance for teaching and shows and stuff like that. I mean, of course, all bets are off during a pandemic, but normally I have a fairly clear route through the year and then I can schedule in, for example, if I have a show up in Scotland, then I know that it would be good to have work about that. So I might schedule in a drawing trip earlier in the year to produce prints at the end of the year for a show, things like that. But that's another case where stamina comes into play because you have to be prepared to commit, especially if you teach and and show at exhibitions and things, you have to have that planned in advance. It's booked into the diary and you're committed to that and you have to stick with it. You can't like halfway through the year think, oh, well, actually I'm a bit bored and I think I'll go off and do something different. You can't let people down. You have to understand that just as with an actor or somebody in any other branch of the creative industry, you make commitments to deliver and you have to stick with them. Because I don't know about you, but I I find it enormously helpful seeing these you know, milestones in my diary, my calendar that I'm working towards, I'm working towards, that kind of gives me that sense of momentum. I mean, I personally find that essential because if I didn't have these things in my diary, whether they mm. are, you know, things people have put in or I've, I've made them up, I'm setting myself my own, you know, imaginary deadlines. If they weren't there, I lose that sense of momentum. And then I kind of, I lose then the drive, the impulse and interest to certainly to make art. So I, I don't, do you find that? Do you need that something to look forward to? I do, but also because I run my art practice as a business and Mr. B and I share the business and there are elements of that that Ben handles, elements that I handle. We have to plan from the point of view of a small business because there's sort of all sorts of things like ordering stocks and supplies and sending stuff out and things like that. So there's that kind of less romantic planning side. But in terms of the creative planning, yes, that that's a marvellous incentive, I think, you know, to planning for residencies or drawing trips. I mean, I am dangling the vision of going to a printmaking conference in Japan, which hopefully will happen at the end of this year in front of me. And that's very much keeping me going at the moment, mm, that, that yeah. kind of carrot that's being dangled at the end of the year um so yes i think i think planning does play a big part in helping you to maintain stamina and what about i mean are you a dreamer do you do you know where you're going to be in 20 30 years time is uh, do you have a clear goal that you're fixing towards or or do you just are you not and you're just enjoying the journey i don't have a specific goal i think my main purpose is to carry on discovering and creating. That's really what what I love to do. So as long as I can facilitate that, then I'm content to move forward and, and adapt as things. As we both know, things have changed a lot and it's a whole new world for us now as artists. So things may not be running quite the way I thought they were going to. But when your end goal is is to 
pursue what you do and what you love and to, to continue developing that. I think, you know, you just need to find ways of making that happen as it as you go along. I, I'm I'm a dreamer. I am. I've got visions of you know being president of the Royal Academy and and uh, you know <laughs> and winning the Turner Prize and everything. I know none of those are going to happen, by the way, everybody. But it's a, I'm I I dream kind of big and aspiration. And I kind of think if if my if my end goal is so big, well, if I kind of smallen it down to a more mm. realistic thing, then that is sort of more achievable. So I I like to kind of imagine in you know right. hopefully if I have a very long and and healthy artistic career Ooh. ahead of me, I I could have you know a few more decades ahead to to produce some stuff which I find quite exciting and, and quite encouraging uh, it's interesting we obviously have very different the inside of your head is probably quite different from mine if I dream of anything at all it's working out how to split prints up into their different parts <laughs> so no I don't I don't dream about stuff like that I have to confess so I think now would be a good time to inject some color into this podcast so Laura today you're talking about perhaps one of the most familiar and common found pigments in the paint box Yes, I am. I've been working with Michael Harding's French yellow ochre. Yellow ochre is an earth pigment and it's a very common colour. It appears all over the world wherever there's the right combination of minerals in the earth and its use goes back to prehistoric times. But while it's an easy pigment to find, not all yellow ochres are created equal. Most artists have probably experienced the disappointment of a muddy and disappointing yellow ochre. I know I have. Instead of that rich, clear glow, a really good yellow ochre can provide. So Michael Harding is really particular about all his pigments, quite rightly, and his French yellow ochre is no exception. He sources his yellow ochre from one of the oldest suppliers of this pigment in France. I mean, I guess the clue is in the name there. And it's, <laughs> and it's a really beautiful example of a powerful earth pigment. I'm loving it for my landscapes. I'm using it alone or I'm mixing a touch in here and there to enrich another colour. I have to admit, it's it's a colour that is a staple on my colour palette as well. And if you'd like to find out more information about this rich colour and all the other beautiful colours offered by Michael Harding, and to find a retailer near you, simply visit michaelharding.co.uk. And now we've had our colour fix, let's return to the question of stamina. So Peter, taking time doesn't just apply to career, it also applies to making art as well. And it can be a very important aspect of creativity, can't it? Yeah, I think that when we think of the word stamina, it's not just about sort of endurance of the career, but it's the nitty gritty of producing the artwork itself. And I think that, I think, I don't know about you, but those works of art that I have created, the ones that are considered, the ones that are planned, the ones that I've given the most amount of thought or critique to, will quite often outshine those more sporadic spur of the moment ill thought uh kind of concepts and ideas and it's uh, and for me I always try and find that balance because as a as a painter I am naturally impulsive and quick and I don't like spending days weeks or months on the same thing I think I have a clearly a short attention span where I I want to work on the next picture I often say by the way that when I'm producing a painting, when I get about halfway through that painting, I'm already thinking about what the next painting is, as opposed to focusing on that one task. And I don't know if I'm alone on that. I'm sure there's other people that might think that way. But it's those things that I give the most amount of time and consideration to always inevitably end up being a lot stronger pieces of artwork that have a lot more to them than 
than very, very quick dashed off ideas that I think are good. But actually, when I really think about it, they were just, you know, just a nice little idea that didn't really amount to anything. Do you find that with Because your, your, your artworks, I suppose, is, you can't just sort of knock them out very quickly like a painting because it requires so much more, you know, planning and structure due to the nature of, of developing and producing a print. Well, it's interesting that you, you're talking, that what you're saying here, because you're absolutely right. But in a way, I prefer not to plan too much at the beginning of a print. So I will have an idea. And for me, I know that my best prints come from an absolute jolt of adrenaline. Wow, I want to do that. So, you know, I always think that my best prints come from that place of passion that I've got something in my head that I desperately want to get out. But also I know my best work is when I am pushing the process and I'm figuring out how it is I'm going to take that idea out of my head and turn it into a print. Mm. And so there is a sort of, I think there's something about that level of testing my knowledge and my, my skills that I really love and that kind of exploring new ways of working that throws out the best work. But you're absolutely right. Certainly at the drawing stage, there are an awful lot of what seem like good ideas Mm. and then they fizzle. And I try to let them fizzle at the drawing stage before I've invested in hours of cutting wood or lino or whatever. But for me, it's, it's that, kind of hit you know there's there's a sort of hit you get uh, mm. when you know you're onto a good thing and then it all becomes kind of very um impulsive the way i work so so i i I, I like that word you said like the idea fizzles and i i have that feeling mm. as well you kind of just have this idea it's funny, everything you do get is so that, clear yeah everything becomes feeling. so clear in your head and you know exactly what to do but i have to make sure that I just need, I need to get everything prepared and ready, whether it is the image that I'm working from or the sketch, you know, I, I need to make sure that I'm choosing the right size canvas and is it primed right? And some, these things sort of make me halt and really think it through. And then I'll allow that idea to fizzle and get excited when I've kind of got the, uh, the environment right and the circumstances right. And then, then the idea fizzles very quickly and I'm left with this problem of how on earth am I going to paint this fabulous idea in my yeah. head? And that becomes the the kind of the um, the jousting, the fencing thing that I have with painting that sometimes I'm winning, sometimes the painting's winning and, and you hopefully kind of get to some sort of conclusion at the end. It's never, for me anyway, it's never a, a smooth process of this is fabulous, this is lovely, ta-da, look at this marvellous work of art. I wish it was, but it's, ne- it's never that case. But I think that, again, that's something that comes with experience. The more art you make and the more experience you get in the course of your career the easier it is to spot the difference between a sort of flashy idea that you think might work and Mm. the real deal that's going to make a fantastic image but you have to accept that you have to sort of kiss a lot of frogs along the way and Mm -hmm. so you need that stamina again for the fact that you will invest time in things that won't work and will just sort of not please you as much as you thought. So your hit rate sort of improves, I think. Don't you think that's fair? Your sort of ability to recognise at an earlier stage what's going to fly and what's not. Oh, completely, yeah. I think, and you have to be quite tough on yourself that you you might think that the, yeah, the frog is handsome, but to really admit that the frog is is really not worth kissing again and again, I think you need, you yeah. need to have that... Um, 
self-control and self-discipline very early on of realizing what is worth pursuing and what is very much uh, worth leaving in the gutter. So let's take this idea of stamina and let's sort of suppose now look at it in a different way in regards to the kind of the level of developing your skills and and craft as a craftsperson or artist and that and things like developing your ability to utilize your tools and understanding the materials is I think one of the most areas you cannot rush at all that it takes years and years to master the ability to 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 work with the clay or to manipulate the paint and to you know cut the wood as you do that cannot be taught and learnt overnight that takes decades sometimes to really become a master um, of your of your the craft of your artwork don't you think i think it does and i think what goes on behind the scenes which a lot of people don't think about is the endless testing of things testing of materials you know i'm sure you're the same but as soon as you want to try a new paper or a new technique or a new ink or whatever, you have to run tests and you have to learn about this material. So it's not just about you have to learn your craft and improve your, your skills. It's all about doing due diligence on the materials and the equipment you're using. All that kind of it's, I mean, it's nerdily interesting to me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think when it's I say to, You know, students will come to me and say, oh, well, you know, how about if I work on this paper? And I say to them, well, go and run some tests on it. And you can see mm. they're horrified. They want someone to say, oh, you do this, that and the other. And it immediately works. And actually, a big part of the artist's life is learning all that stuff and running the tests mm. and checking that you understand things. So yeah, hefty dose of stamina for that. So am I writing saying that this sort of link with stamina and being the master of your skill is is perhaps slightly overlooked, particularly in, in the Western culture, because in the Eastern culture, and I think you'd know this in Japan, yes, in it's, Japan, it's those see, yeah. those artists and, and craftspeople and makers that who have been mm. working at a specific way of, of, of producing their, their craft for for decades are kind of revered as the the most mm. exceptional uh, of their craft. I think so. I mean, you do see it in Japan. And I think the arts have a hard time of it, particularly sort of visual arts, because there is this myth that artists can just do it, you know. And I'm sure you've had people who've come up to you and, and said to the words to the effect of, oh, it must be nice just to pick up a brush and dab some paint on a canvas and sell it. And I mm. certainly get... Oh, you know, lino cut. I did that at school. That's potato printing, isn't it? And, mm. and there is this slight feeling that art is the easy option. Mm. But if you're a professional artist and you are going to sell art, you need a good grounding in skill. And that takes time and loads yeah. of practice to get good like that. No one would suggest that. I don't know, a professional footballer turns up on day one and he can just play with a team. You know, it's accepted mm. that there's hours of daily practice goes into making a mm. professional footballer. And I don't about you, but I, I, for my own artistic practice, I and I still do this, I'm, I, I'm an avid reader of books and art books. And I, you know, Kimberly will tell you I'm forever spending my money and collecting and buying books, whether it's how-to guides or I've got a real love of, of the history of art. So I'm at the moment consuming lots of, of books of, of 18th and 19th uh, century portraiture at the moment. You know, and I, all that is the training uh, that's sort of helping me and enabling me to become a better painter. So I just see it as part of my, my job as an artist. Mm. It's not just 
producing pieces uh, of artwork but it's also it's continuing my professional development and learning and researching and sometimes that's the most enjoyable part of my job actually is just is reading and enjoying and becoming more knowledgeable and more of an expert on this subject I'm so interested and fascinated about so you know I certainly encourage everybody to to, to not you're always learning you know not to sort of think you've you figured it out and you know what to do I always assume I have no idea what I'm doing and I've still got years left to go to try and figure it all out well it's not just about art though is it because in an ideal world we'd all just be in our studios making lovely artwork but actually being an artist means you have to be good at virtually everything don't you from marketing to putting up shelving in the studio there is so much stuff that mm. a self-employed artist needs to know. And that, yeah. that calls for a lot of stamina, I think. Absolutely. You are, I think you are a one man or one woman band when you, when mm. you certainly start out as an artist. If you're, we're not all blessed with, you know, mass, a massive studio with hundreds of studio assistants, you know, at our beck and call to move paintings and to mix things and to get things sent to the post office, all the things that need to be done. Mm. It's quite often it, the buck falls with you. And I think you need to be prepared to, you need to be able to use a good bucket of elbow grease because it oh, yeah. is hard and it is exhausting. I mean, I mean, I, I can remember the first time I did a, a, a first little pop-up exhibition show and it was just me in my little car and I crammed the car full of all the stuff I wanted to sell and I had a toolbox and I had, I think, 20 minutes to make this <laughs> display look as fabulous as possible all by myself. And it, it was exhausting and I didn't even... And that's not even thinking about the having to deal with members of the public and to paint and to, to sort of gain some work. You know, it's all that hard work that comes before it, which at the end of the day, I needed to do. So you certainly need, I think, stamina, I think, particularly when you start out, because it is not an easy, smooth ride. It will be bumpy and you need to be uh, resilient and, and roll with those punches. You certainly do. I think it's an it's an all round stamina requiring job being an artist. So, yeah. Buckle up if you're starting out on your career and get that stamina in hand because you're going to need it. So, Peter, what's our takeaway to this episode? I think it's clear that if you're serious about being a full time artist, patience, dedication and hard work is the holy trinity you'll need to abide to. It will take time, yes, but instead of sprinting past, you can enjoy the view a lot more on your artistic marathon. Well, thank you, Peter. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can catch up with the things that we've discussed in this episode at our website at askanartistpodcast.com. And please subscribe to the podcast. That really helps us along. And so do those five-star reviews. 